0: This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast.
1: We are your study buddies for neonatology topics.
0: I'm Dr. Ben Korsha.
1: And I'm Dr. Daphne Yesova-Barbeau.
0: Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast Friday. We are... Closing genetics and dermatology. Daphna, how's it feel?
1: It feels good. Thanks for everybody for hanging in this week. I feel like we've had like stuttering and word finding difficulties, (laughs) but but we're getting there. It's Friday. Let's do it. Let's start with question 33. I thought this was a good question because I had not, I had not delineated this in my mind. So which of the following genetic disorders is not associated with advanced paternal age? Is it A achondroplasia, B Apert syndrome, C osteogenesis imperfecta, D thanatophoric dysplasia, or E trisomy thirteen?
0: Yeah, th- this threw me for a loop mm-hmm. because I like to to. I mean, if you can't tell from this past week, I like to cluster mm-hmm. the syndromes. Like, I mm-hmm. like to know. Oh, neurocutaneous. There, most of them are like mm-hmm. that, this and that. But paternal paternal age, advanced paternal age. I didn't have my list. I didn't create a list for this mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I was thinking advanced paternal age, I try to rationalize the whole question. I'm like, oh, if, if you're old, that probably means your DNA is more fragile, probably more prone to breaks, so like mutations maybe. So I was looking for the one that was not a mutation and mm. trisomy 13 was there and I picked it. And, uh, yeah, for once in my life, I lucked out.
1: Well, that was a very good way rationalize the question. See, you're so smart. Okay. The answer is E, trisomy 13. It is not associated with advanced paternal age. Um, and interestingly, the, all of the disorders really that are linked with advanced paternal age really have to do, it's the cra- disorders of craniosynostosis. Um, It's the disorder of... Um, uh, kind of bony problems, um, and then retinoblastoma. So achondroplasia, Apert syndrome, Cruson syndrome, uh, neurofibromatosis 1, osteogenesis imperfecta, Pfeiffer syndrome, um, which is one of the craniosynostosis syndromes, retinoblastoma, and thenatophoric dysplasia.
0: Okay. I don't
1: have a mnemonic for you. It's
0: nope. just... <laughs> That's, sometimes it's just like that. All right, Daphna, you're up next for question 35. Um, The state newborn screening program is considering adding a new genetic screen for cystic fibrosis to the routine panel. Ideally, the program would prefer to work with a very small amount of DNA and use DNA amplification based on two oligonucleotide primers on either side of the DNA sequence of interest. Of the following, the genetic testing technique that most fits with this description is choice A, fluorescent in-situ hybridization, fish, Uh, B, northern blot analysis, choice C, polymerase chain reaction, PCR. Choice D, southern blot analysis. Choice E, western blot analysis.
1: Okay. First, I was reaching for my snowdrop mnemonic. (laughs) Um, But that's not what this question's asking for. It's asking for a thing (laughs) to help amplify (laughs) DNA. And fish doesn't do that. We talked about fish. It helps you find um, changes that uh, you kind of, you know what you're looking for. The northern blot, southern blot, and western blot techniques um, is helpful for like finding labeled probes that, that match. That's the snowdrop mnemonic. But it's the PCR that amplifies
0: DNA. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that is correct. C is correct. Um, They basically were describing to you the process of a PCR right. and you just had to be able to recognize it. But what's interesting is that for the, for, I mean, <clears throat> I, I I had the chance of working in a, in a biology lab as a college student and the PCR was usually, u- was, is mostly used in, in laboratories to expand a specific mm-hmm. DNA mm-hmm. sequence. So I remember when, you had created the genetic, if you're creating like a specific strand of DNA that you want to work with, you create one and then you put it through the PCR and it mm-hmm. just makes more of it, right? It's like a photocopy for your DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the applications of PCR went into testing to identify regions of interest. But yeah, so that's, that's, that's how it works. So PCR is a technique that can amplify specific DNA sequence uh, from the genomic DNA by using two primers on either side of the sequence of interest, it basically finds those primers and it just replicates the, um, the sequence that uh, you are targeting. In PCR, the DNA is denatured, hybridized with specific primers flanking the area of interest and then extended. We talked about Southern blot analysis that basically looks at hybridization of a labeled DNA probe to digested DNA, but it doesn't really amplify it. Nor- Northern blot, we said north... Uh, RNA does um, include hybridization of a labeled uh, DNA probe to digested RNA. Western blot is separating proteins by size and specific antibody probe is used to identify the protein of interest. I remember protein because it's a Western and it's like the pow pow of the the guns. I love my little mnemonic. It's stuck with me for years. The technique of fish. Uh involves exposing cells to a single stranded DNA probe tagged with a fluorescent marker and allowing for hybridization to its complementary sequence and I think that's where you could have um, mm-hmm. this is where you could have gotten confused because it functions quite similarly where you do have a probe, but it's not in the case of of p c r it's not fluorescent um, mm-hmm. so yeah okay.
1: Listen, this question 36 is we're going to get to try out your micro deletion mnemonic. So let's see. Which of the following disorders is not commonly caused by a micro deletion? Is it A, Angelman syndrome, B, DeGeorge syndrome, C, Holt-Orem syndrome, D, Prader-Willi syndrome, or E, Rubinstein Taybi
0: syndrome? So you remember the guy, the doctor who doesn't get his <laughs> micro deletions confused and never gets his mind warped is Dr. William D. Warp. And William D. Warp is Williams syndrome, DeGeorge syndrome, Wagner syndrome. A is Engelman. R is Rubenstein Tybee. P is prader Willy. Engelman uh, is choice A. DeGeorge is choice B. prader Willy is choice D. Rubenstein TB is choice E. Holt Orem is not on the list. That's choice C.
1: Bam. All right. I guess it works. I guess it works. So what am I going to say? Okay. Holt Orem syndrome is an autosomal. Uh, sorry. <laughs>
0: Friday. That's okay. Take right.
1: two. Holt Holt-Oram syndrome is an autosomal dominant disorder with variable expression. Um, affected children often present with the following cardiac defects, particularly the ASD, upper limb defects, absent hypoplastic or abnormally shaped thumbs, narrow shoulders, and hypertelarism. I always remembered Holt Orem um, as heart arm syndrome so they have ah. cardiac defects and the arm is that they have upper limb defects and these um abnormal thumbs
0: so can i tell you how i remember halt mm. i remember like a bouncer in front of a of a like of a public place yeah like putting his hand on your chest to like say halt okay <laughs> and so you're like, using
1: his arm to halt you exactly okay. arm
0: thumb Cardiac. All right. That's... Maybe. I mean, the fact that uh, they have no radius, no thumbs, doesn't really help with the whole halting business, but that's how I remember.
1: <laughs> Except that it relates to the arm. Anyways.
0: Yeah, it open. does. And it and they put your, their hands on your chest where your heart is.
1: That one's a stretch,
0: but... Listen.
1: It'll work for somebody. It'll I put them
0: out somebody. there. Somebody likes it. Somebody likes it. Um, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. I can... I can only say, yeah. So imagine the guy saying halt.
1: <laughs> You're right. You're right. Halt. Um, and we went all over all of these yesterday. Should we review them?
0: You say that. Um, people are going to say yes, definitely. You should review them.
1: Let's review them. Okay. If you don't want to, you skip ahead. You know, <laughs> two, two thirty seconds or something. Um, A Angelman syndrome, another micro deletion sy- syndrome, seventy percent of which result from the fifteen q 13 deletion, um, where the deleted pieces of maternal origin. So, uh, facial features of widely spaced teeth, large mouth, protruding tongue, decreased iris pigment, uh, deep set eyes, maxillary hypoplasia, uh, severe mental deficiency, absent speech, ataxia, jerky movements, and seizures. B de George deletion of twenty two q eleven point two. Um, they have cardiac, uh, specifically the conotruncal anomalies and aortic arch abnormalities, facial features including cleft palate, hypertelorism, short palpebral fe- features, uh, sorry, short palpebral fissures. Um, they have hypoplastic to aplastic thymus, and like we talked about yesterday, hypocalcemia, deficient cellular immunity, and they also have developmental delay prater willi syndrome deletion of 15q11, uh, where the deleted pieces of paternal origin. Um, and these uh, infants have small hands and feet, almond-shaped eyes, um, uh, hypotonia, undescended testes, uh, obesity in childhood, but failure to thrive, poor feeding in infancy, and they can have breech positioning in utero, likely because of the uh, hypotonia. And then E. Rubenstein-Tabey syndrome, a deletion at 16p13.3, which encodes for the CAMP-regulated enhancer binding protein. They have cardiac defects, broad thumbs and toes, downward slanting of palpebral fissures, hypoplastic maxilla, they can have hirsutism.
0: (sighs) And the the last questions of the week are, are not the simplest, I have to say. No. Uh, we didn't make the task easy for ourselves. Um, okay, Daphne. The next question is question 46. A female infant is born at 33 weeks gestation and has difficulty with oral feedings despite reaching 42 weeks postmenstrual gestational age. On exam, she has notable generalized hypotonia and a weak suck. She also has arthrogryposis of her legs. Otherwise, her vital signs and exams are an exam are reassuring. You notice when you speak with the baby's mother that the mother has a paucity of facial movements Mm. during your conversation. You suspect that this infant has congenital myotonic dystrophy of the following options. The most likely reason why this infant is more severely affected than her mother is choice A, compound heterozygosity, choice B, epigenetic modification, C, genetic anticipation, choice D, somatic mutation, choice E, Toxin exposure.
1: Okay. Well, first they gave you the they gave you the
0: yeah the you, disorder was, right. It, yeah, I thought hoping... the
1: diagnosis right was to, to say congenital myotonic dystrophy. You know there aren't many things that give you arthrogryposis. Um, and then they told you that the mom likely had symptoms. So um, this is basically the definition of. Um, the uh, the next generation being more affected than the previous generation is, is genetic anticipation, um, so it's C. But I'm hopeful you will explain. I don't know what compound heterozygosity is. So
0: <laughs> okay, so. Myotonic dystrophy is a neuromuscular disorder characterized by the presence of abnormal repetitive elements. So in type 1, the patients have CTG tri- trinucleotide repeats in the 3' untranslated region and of the dystrophia myotonia protein kinase, the DMPK gene. During meiosis, DNA replication errors lead to expansion of the repeat. Classic myotonic dystrophy, as the mother in this vignette manifests, has 100 to 1,000 repeats congenital myotonic dystrophy is generally associated with anything superior to a thousand trinucleotide repeat. and the the concept of genetic anticipation means that the increasing severity of the mutation across generation is what defines genetic anticipation. Um, and basically as genera- as you go forward in, dif- in the gener- as you move fo- forward in the generations, you get more and more repeat and the, and the severity, is uh, is more acute. I don't know what compound headers are, And you didn't state in the answer, and uh, I didn't have to.
1: The... I thought you were going to go over all the answers.
0: No, <laughs> heterozygous. So to. Um, Go over the other choices. Choice E was toxin exposure, um, which we understand the exposure to the toxin causing the disease, which is not the case. A somatic mutation meaning a, a mutation in a non-sex in a in a non uh, non in, in any of the chromosomes that are not X or Y. Epigenetic modification is basically uh, modification of the DNA through methylation that basically leads to unwinding of the DNA and exposure of other regions that are then being transcribed that would be non-transcribed regions. And then choice A, which is compound heterozygosity, which I didn't know about, and full disclosure, I'm just uh, researching uh, for this podcast, is basically (laughs) a condition of basically you're having two or more Uh, heterogeneous recessive alleles at a particular locus that can basically cause you to have a genetic disease from an Mm. autosomal recessive disease even though you're heterozygous. Mm. All right, Daphne, next question.
1: Uh, Question 62, last question for the week. We did it. Take two. Take two, that's right. (laughs) This is our second time recording this question. (laughs) A bulla, a (laughs) bullae, what is it? A bullae. A bullae. Take three. Is defined as a circumscribed elevated fluid-filled lesion, which is greater than one centimeter in diameter. Which of the following statements about potential causes of bulla skin lesions in infants is most accurate? A, bullous empatigo is caused by an epidermolytic toxin produced by staph aureus and is characterized by localized tender bullae, which are sterile on culture. B, bullous pemphigoid is an infectious process which presents in the first week of life as tense blisters on the hands and feet. C, epidermolysis bullosa can present at birth with congenital localized absence of skin. D, Pemphigus syphiliticum occurs in late-onset congenital syphilis. E, sucking blisters usually present in the second week of life as flaccid bulla on the fingers and wrists.
0: Okay, so according to Google, it's pronounced bully. Like- <laughs> bully?
1: Like somebody who's being mean? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Okay.
0: Let me, let me look at another. There's like a YouTube channel that just pronounces word. <laughs> Words, yeah. Yeah, Bully. They're also concurring. Uh, so what is this channel called? Pronunciation Guide agrees with Google. It's pronounced Bully. <laughs> bully. <sighs> okay. This okay. question was the last question of the week, and I was mm-hmm. very tired doing it, and I just like it took me an hour to figure it out. So which one is the most accurate? bullous impetigo is caused by an epidermolytic toxin produced by Staph aureus. I was like, yes, so far, so good. And is characterized by localized tender... Fully, which are sterile on culture and that it took me because I thought this was correct right and it mm-hmm. took me some time to realize that it's caused by staph aureus the culture is sterile but then I was like "Ooh, is it tender and to be honest with you I'm not sure yeah so I, I wasn't sure was it is it supposed to be tender I don't know choice b Bolus pemphigoid is an infectious process which, represents, which presents in the first week of life as tense blisters on the hands and feet. Um, I didn't know about that either. Um, epidermolysis bullosa can present at birth with congenital localized absence of skin. That, I, because I mean, I had a patient, I had a few patients with epidermolysis bullosa. So mm-hmm. that I remembered that this was um, a possibility. Hemphigus syphiliticum occurs in late onset congenital, congenital syphilis that I knew to be wrong. Sucking blisters usually present in the second week of life. That's wrong. Obviously, if it's a sucking blister, usually it happens in utero as well. So they can present very early on. So I was hesitating between uh, B and C and uh, I picked B, which, yeah, I picked B.
1: Okay. So the the correct answer, which is most accurate, C, epidermolysis bullosa uh, can present at birth with congenitalized localized absence of skin. So let me tell you first about epidermolysis bullosa. It encompasses many different gene mutations that code for proteins, which form the basement membrane zone. And there are four types of EB defined um, by the level at which the blistering occurs. So in simplex, it's the basal epidermal cells above the BMZ. Junctional makes sense through the BMZ. Dystrophic is the superficial dermis. And then there's a mixed type. They're further subdivided on inheritance pattern, clinical pattern, and molecular and genetic defects. It can present within the first days of life and is characterized by skin fragility with erosions and bully, often occurring secondary to minor friction. Localized absence of the skin is a dramatic manifestation with well-demarcated extensive erosions, classically on the lower limbs, and again, may be present at birth. After the perinatal period, the distribution of bully and erosions is commonly um, most you know, found in the areas of frequently handling are subject to friction. So the hands, the diaper area, the back, and the mucosal areas can also be involved. Diagnosis is dependent on immunofluorescence and electron microscopy of biopsies from an induced blister. And treatment is mostly supportive, um, uh, hydration, fluid management, um, lubrication of the skin, and the prognosis varies depending on the type and subtype. So let's get to these other questions. So bolus empatigo often presents with the first two weeks of life. It's caused by staph aureus, producing epidermolytic toxins. So that was correct. The lesions begin as vesicles that enlarge into non-tender. So they're not... Um, tender, um, flaccid subcorneal bullae with thin erythematous rims surrounding them. The bullae do rupture easily, and they leave behind a scaly crust, which may be either single or clustered. Diagnosis is mostly clinical, but they the lesions are not sterile. Um, they can be confirmed by Gram stain and culture of the fluid from within the the bullae. Uh, B bullous pemphigoid So uh, the statement said that it's an infectious process It's not correct it's an autoimmune condition that results from autoantibodies against the bullous pemphigoid antigen which is a component of the dermoepidermal junction it's been recorded to uh, reported to occur from 2 months of age onwards they have tense blisters usually on the hands and feet but they can actually be found anywhere Um, And there are no other major clinical findings. Skin biopsy shows subepidermal bullae with eosinophils. Um, And so uh, these bullae would be sterile because it's not infectious. And diagnosis is is confirmed by a linear pattern of IgG and C3 along the basement membrane zone on immunofluorescent staining. D. pemphigus syphiliticum. Um, So it is caused by congenital syphilis, but it has only been described in early onset disease. And the answer choice said that it was in late onset disease. The bully most commonly occur on the hands, feet, and perioral regions. Um, and then E, sucking blisters, um, is exactly what it sounds like. So it, hap- it occurs um, to the infant sucking the affected area. And sometimes it's even seen at, it is most commonly seen at birth because um, the fetus can even be sucking on um, the hands and fingers. So the blisters are usually present at birth. They're either flaccid, bully, or linear erosions, and they're typically on the fingers and wrists.
0: Whew. We did it.
1: We did it. We made it. <laughs> Happy right. Friday, everybody.
0: Yeah, enjoy your weekend. <laughs> um, we uh, see you on Sunday for The Incubator Show. <laughs> Thank you for Take listening care. to this episode of The Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphne and I via email by sending your messages to NICUpodcasts at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICU Podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.